podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to one of the ten best English language podcasts about Fiorentina on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. everyone we have a really special guest uh we are on the line with fiorentina owner rocco comiso which is still just blowing my mind uh thank you so much for coming on rocco and speaking with us for the second time in six months uh how are you doing right now well we're surviving like everyone else we uh you know i've been at home for the last uh basically two months uh, i just go out shopping um you know, for the family so we could eat. But other than that, it's very hard to uh, to work outside the house, but we're in constant conference with Italy and here in the U.S., as you know, you know, I have a large company here and thank God that company, which is in the cable television business, the company's name is Mediacom, is doing extremely well in this terrible um, economic environment. And uh, so we're we're doing okay. We're doing okay, considering that uh, there's way more people and way more companies that are going through the pains uh, that this environment uh, holds out. Yeah, it, the uh, letter that you sent around to the Fiorentina staff was quite reassuring. But, what, yeah, are you, I mean, for all of our listeners here who are big Rocco fans, any... Uh, book recommendations or anything to help us get through all the dead time in quarantine? <laughs> get busy. <laughs> I, I try to keep myself busy as much as possible. So, uh, but I, you know, unlike some other people, maybe, uh, you know, I have, I have, I do have a big responsibility, right? So today we had a conference call that lasted an hour and a half with our the senior executives in our company, a media comp. Uh, then, uh, then we had another call to look at, you know, the financial results for this quarter. By the way, they're coming out. Uh, our financial results for MediaCom are coming out tomorrow. MediaCom Communications. They're going to be made public, and uh, I'm proud to say that we're going to have another quarter of year-over-year growth and will wow. represent the 93rd quarter, 93rd consecutive quarter of year-over-year growth. So we never had a down quarter and uh, I'm just happy and proud of my people, uh, our company and the industry that we're involved. We have, you know, I know that a lot of people are staying home like me, uh, but you know, every day uh, we have 1,300 people uh, in 22 states, they actually make the rounds to go and visit their customers' homes if there's problems. So there's an installation to be done or a disconnect. And uh, so we're, we're in full working mode despite the fact that we've been influenced, impacted negatively, all of us, right, by this environment, this, uh, this uh, pandemic. 
And, and Mediacom is, is certainly an essential business, you know, doing your part to help keep this country safe. You know, people are, are now turning to TV. So you guys are doing a, an incredible job there. We appreciate that. Um, you know, Rocco, when we last met in September, we, we talked about a few things, but you told me your favorite moment since buying the club back then was the amazing reception you received at the Franke by the fans. Since then, we've had quite a few games, some some good moments prior to the, the COVID. What has actually been your favorite moment since? Uh, more than one, but <clears throat> look, we're, we're almost a month away. Uh, today's the 5th. I think it was June 6th that we made the big entrance, right? And buying the club and then coming down to Florence. And that was a huge, huge moment for me being, being uh, you know, welcome into the city of Florence and to the Franchi. And uh, so since then, <clears throat> you know, talking about the games, um, I guess uh, the first big game, you know, we lost uh, engaged Naples, right, for free, unfortunately, because we didn't like what the, air, what the ref did in that game, but yeah. we never complained. Then we went to Genoa and we lost that, and then we came back and played uh, Juventus, and that at the very beginning, that was the highlight of the season for me because we played extremely well, engaged a very, very, very good team, Juventus, and it gave me the feeling that all the fears that I had after the two games, things going to resolve themselves, and in fact, they did, right? Because the next big game was um, that I saw from from here. I didn't. I was not in Italy then. Was the Milan game where Frank Ribery would score three goals, three to one. And Frank Ribery, if you remember, got to receive a standing ovation from the San Siro fan. Yeah, that was You know, special. after that, I guess I would have to say it's my first win at, uh, you know, at, uh, at the Franchi, which was in January against Fal. And uh, that was the first win that I saw, Mike, um, in, uh, in early January against Fal. And then we also beat uh, in Coppa Italia, we also beat uh, Atalanta, which was a big game, which we had 10 people there uh, playing against them when we beat them. So yeah. those, those uh, from, from a game, game standpoint, those clearly were my favorite moments, but there were other moments, you know, like going to the mayor hospital, you know, like promising to a little girl there, you know, when she asked me, you know, when I asked her, what can I do for you? She says, you know, make sure you don't sell kids. It says promise maintain, promise kept, and promise maintain because we didn't do that, right? We kept them. Yeah. And um, so all in all, it was pretty positive with one major negative, which was, you know, uh, letting go of Montella, which I was not happy about, but we had to make a turnaround decision. And, and until we got stopped by the, by the COVID here, by this virus, you know, it seemed that, you know, all the decisions that we were making were playing out well, including the market, the big market, the player market, you know, that we entered in January and spent lots of money to solidify the team, not just for this year, but for next year also. Thank so, you for that. So, yeah, then, then naturally we had, um, you know, we had, um, the Centro Sportivo, you know how well that went, right? 
in a relatively short period of time, we made the decision to buy the land, and and pretty soon we're going to have the biggest, uh, you know, within a year, 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 year and three months, you know, we will have maybe a little more than year and three months because things are, have been delayed. But why don't we say by the end of 2021, we expect to be in the in the new Chantres Portillo, which would be phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal for the future of our club. I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, Juventus game because I think one of my favorite moments this season came after the uh, the leg in Turin that Fiorentina lost due to some really shameful refereeing. That part wasn't great, but seeing your response after that uh, where you came out in the media and absolutely lambasted, rightfully so, some terrible work by the officials, a bunch of club members got fined for their comments to the referee as well. To me, that was, as a fan, that was so encouraging because previously that had just sort of been a regular occurrence and everyone just let it go. And then here was this big new shot of energy. Well, it wasn't the favorite moment of most other people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got penalized for that. So I gave back some money to the league indirectly, right? Because they gave me a multa too in addition to Antonioni and Prade. But... You know, it was a reaction on my part for everything that I suffered in prior in prior months. If you remember, uh, you know, Petella got killed, right? Oh yeah. You know, his face was demolished, and 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 the guy that hit him, you know, uh, never never got penalized. Uh, he got a yellow card, but he ended up scoring the winning goal for that team. Uh, then we had uh, then we had the Ribery situation. Right, where the guy that had a head on Redbury never, you know, never really got penalized, never got a yellow card. Right. Then we had, you know, in Gastinter, we had the, the, the Chiesa, you know, they kept on hitting him, hitting his, his legs and so on. But the poor kid did not play the next two games, if you guys remember that, yeah. right? So, so here we are, my best players, you know, getting murdered on the field and the refs. There was never a situation where one of their players got kicked out. So I just blew up. You know, I think the, the first, uh, you know, even if the first penalty was okay in the Juventus game, the second penalty definitely was not. Okay. And, and even if there's a doubt, you don't, you don't give a second, you know, second penalty when there's doubt. And as I've always said, right, Juventus doesn't need the help from, from the referees. They already have a great team you know, to be able to beat, you know, on any day, on most days, Fiorentina, even up, right, without the help from them. So I, was, I, I just blew it up. And um, am I glad that I did? Maybe the tone could have been different, but not the passion, not the principles, you know, that I'm not going to come to Italy, you know, and, uh, and let the, the system you know, take advantage of our situation. I'm not going to let that happen. Not today and not tomorrow. Right? We, we don't want to get treated better than anybody else, but we also don't want to get treated worse than anybody else. Right? So we're not asking for favors. We're just asking for fairness. And, um, and that's, you know, that's what I, you know, that the whole uh, blow up started. I went to the locker room that day after, you know, after the game and poor Dragoski was hitting boxes, you know, he would absolutely go crazy. And um, 
uh, I, I felt it was my job to go out and defend my team and my players the way I did it 50 years ago when I was the captain of my team at Columbia. You know, whenever the refs did not do it, I was the one to defend my players. So, so I, I don't, I don't regret it. You know, maybe the tones could have been different, but uh, you know, it was the right thing to do at the right time. The systemic change is definitely needed there, and I think you know, not only are Fiorentina fans happy, but uh, I think if you pull the the rest of Serie A a lot of those club fans are happy. One of the other areas where we've seen systemic change that needs to be happening is uh, around the infrastructure. You know, you've talked a little bit about the training grounds, uh, but now we're moving on to, you know, the actual stadium. So whether we're building new refurbishing, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how important infrastructure is to the success of your club as well as other clubs in Italy and how difficult it is to build over in Italy? So look, uh, we we did a pretty in-depth analysis, uh, you know, over the years of trying to figure out, you know, what makes clubs successful and through just the history, right? But as important as the history of the club, right, it's the money that you put into the club and the money that you, you know, you could generate annually. I sent over to you some charts developed by Deloitte and if you look at the top 20 clubs in Europe, you know, uh, especially some that have had huge growth. I'm talking about Manchester City, Tottenham, Atlético Madrid, PSG, um, and a few other, Juventus, right? You know, a lot of, lot of their growth uh, started, you know, with building a new, a new stadium. And there's no way in hell, on the other hand, uh, Fiorentina over the last 10 years has fallen behind. We used to have 10 years ago, 100 million in revenues. And now uh, this past year was 93. If you eliminate the player transfer money, right? Um, in all cases. And, uh, and the major difference besides winning on the field is having the facilities that you could generate more revenues because if you generate more revenues, naturally you can then buy more players under the financial fair play rules, right? You could buy better players and spend more money on in the players market. Well, I, I think everyone in, in, in Florence has, has figured this out, you know, that without revenues, you know, on a long-term basis, we cannot go far, okay? So that's yeah. where the stadium comes in. I think the teams, you know, you live in America, uh, Mike, and you pretty much know that, you know, whether it's baseball, football, out of 100 stadiums, you know, there's only maybe one or two, you know, that were, and then refurbished that were built 70 years ago. Everything is sort of new here in America, right? Uh, and, and in Italy, unfortunately, we have these old laws that uh, do not easily permit people to invest, whether it's the laws from the Benicol Trai, the Superintendenza, from the, from the Heritage Foundation, that you know, when a stadium becomes older than 50 years, becomes a monument, so I have to deal with the monument laws, or you know, with all the other laws in Italy where, where, where it's, very, uh, it's very, very difficult you know, to put up a project, you know, convince the communities that that's the right thing to do. And then, you know, and then do a proper cost-benefit analysis where there's incentives from the city, from the government, 
you know, to help you build that stadium. Meaning what? From a timing perspective and from a financial perspective, because, you know, if we stay in the city of Florence, for instance, right, uh, you know, we bring all kinds of benefits to the city of Florence. Well, those benefits, you know, should be exchanged as a kind of incentives for our club, right? Which is exactly the way it's done all over America. In fact, in America, as you well are aware, you know, teams like uh, the team in, in uh, the Oakland uh, football team, right? You know, they don't just move from, from one neighborhood to the other, right? They move from one city to the other. They're going to Las Vegas, right? In New York City, you know that the Giants and the Jets that move from the Bronx or Queens, they move to New Jersey. So uh, teams move from one state to the other. We're not contemplating on doing any of that. Although we want to expand the opportunity to build a stadium, you know, within the metropolitan area of Florence, as opposed to just within the city of Florence, especially if there's no way to build anything that makes sense within the city of Florence. So we expect, we hope that as a result of, of, of this pandemic and the economic consequences, because it's disastrous what's happening in Italy, okay? Especially in a beautiful city like Florence where all the restaurants are closed, all the hotels are closed, and there's no movement to do anything on the infrastructure side is that the old politics of Italy wakes up and says, look, there's people like Rockwell that want to invest in this country. Let them invest. Facilitate as opposed to putting, you know, putting uh, obstacles on the way to making these investment decisions happen. And we're ready to invest, but they got to let me do it quickly, fastly, you know, uh, quickly, you know, at the right cost, you know, and where we retain the control. We cannot have a situation, okay? where if I need to cut the grass, I have to ask for a favor for somebody to come and cut the grass <laughs> the way it is at the uh, at, uh, Franklin. You know, when I, uh, I give you an, another example, you know, they had a concert here at the Franklin, right? And Joe Barone, poor Joe Barone, calls me up and we had a, we had a, in August, we had a Coppa Italia game. He says, Rockwell, this, this field is shut down. We can't play in this field. So, Joe, I said, call the city. That's their responsibility to make sure that the field's okay. What city? They're all on vacation. So, the next hour, I said, Joe, let's go and do it, and then we'll worry about the concert and the financial consequences. So, within a week, we replanted, we refixed the whole field, you know, ready to play our first uh, Copa Italia game in a, in a beautiful field that was done in a period of one week. So, that's what I mean by fast. That's what I mean by control. You know, we, we're not going to allow, if I put the money in, we're just not going to allow anyone to come and tell us what to do and when to do and how to do it. Okay? We want to do it our way, which is the right way for the benefit of Fiorentina. Yeah, I've been at your headquarters. I've seen what the Rocco Way is, a beautiful building. A Rocco stimulus package by building infrastructure in Florence makes the utmost sense. And the numbers that you sent over completely justify. You go back to 2008, 2009, Juventus was making 17 million euros from their match day stadium revenues. Now look, flash forward to where we're at last year, two years ago, uh, you have 65 million. So 17 to 65 and then you look at a team like Napoli, who's frozen at 17 million euros as a result of their match day revenue. It speaks volumes. And, and, then, and then, by the way, the attorney of Frankie, you know, if we could get the Sovereign Dendenza to, to relax some of their rules, right? Uh, 
you know, we're talking about in English, the superintendent of, of the monuments, right? To relax or lose, relate and just get out of the way, frankly. And I'm being respectful, just get out of the way. Don't go and worry about, you know, monuments that were built 2000 years ago. Monuments where people just go there to look at them, not, not, to, not to live in them. You know, yeah. our stadium is for our fans. Right, it's not to be looked at; it's to be enjoyed, and and uh, you know. So the Franke is, is still an open uh, potential stadium, uh, you know, as long as they let me restructure. In a way, is that, like I said, I retain control. I spend the money, but I have to have control of what happens within the stadium. And we need the commercial activities the way Juventus had them has them and the way everybody else has them. You cannot generate the revenue that we need to generate. We're so far behind right now. Unless we have the ancillary revenue potential that come about from a seven, seven, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week operation, as opposed to just going to the stadium once every two weeks, which is the case right now. No, it makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, keeping in line with the, the conversation around revenues and, and uh, expansion, you know, when, when we met back in September, you also talked a little bit about globalization and, and how important globalization of the Fiorentina brand will be. Since then, uh, since that conversation that we had, I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not mention to you that globalization is definitely there. You know, we have been working with your club uh, to bring on uh, fans from uh, Indonesia, you know, 500 fans, several thousand fans over in China, fans in Australia, Israel, moving more viola clubs in, in the United States. Uh, so, you know, that that um, is definitely going on behind the scenes here. I just wanted to get your take on, on you know, what that means to, to your brand, to your club. Well, I want to, first of all, I want to thank you, Mike. Uh, you know, of expanding the, the Viola family to, to all these uh, nations away from Italy, uh, in the Far East especially, right? Uh, but there's a potential uh, that we're just not taking advantage uh, because, you know, I just haven't had the time, frankly. And then with this pandemic, every, everything has come to a stop. You know, there's all kinds of things that we should do, we want to do, but, you know, First thing comes first, right? We took care of the team. We try to work with the stadium, the Centro Sportivo, but there's an old new revenue stream and new that, you know, fan base that needs to be developed and, and, and promoted, you know, over a long, longer period of time. But for those of us that listen to this podcast that may be outside of the U.S., outside of Italy, but the rest of the world. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. And thank you for becoming an avid Fiorentina uh, fan because with your support, we plan to do better things that you could be proud of going forward. That is wonderful. And, and I'll be honest, unanimously across the board, no matter who we talk to, no matter what country it is, uh, the amount of viewers have increased and, and that, that really that, that line was your purchase uh, of, of the company. Everybody by and large has loved what Rocco has brought to the club. So 
Uh, I, I'm speaking on their behalf, just wanting to thank you for them, all the people in Indonesia, China, Israel, uh, Australia, UK. That that's you know really the message that they wanted us to to bring to you. And and, and then the other thing, you know, what you know, with the revamping of the club, the new purchase, you know, I've been very, very uh, open to publicizing our club. You're probably aware that everybody wants to, you know, have me on their shows, on their newspapers, talk, and I've made myself available. I think somebody told me, yeah, somebody told me yesterday, you know, that I'm the most uh, open uh, president in the entire city. Uh, soccer. You rarely see all the presidents talking as much as I have spoken. You know, for the benefit of Serie A, it's not just Fiorentina, for the benefit of soccer in general, for the benefit of our club. Uh, you know, I, I'm always making myself available uh, on, to speak honestly to anybody that wants to interview me. And, and that has brought a lot of respect from not just within Italy, but also you know, in Europe, in America, frankly. Um, and uh, I'm not as aware uh, on the far east, you're probably more aware than me, you know, that, you know, it's a new new, um, new uh, way of doing business or communicating with people at the club. I think Joe Baroni especially has done a phenomenal job, you know, within, uh, within France and Italy. You know, here's two, Italo-American, two immigrants, right? They come back to one of the most beautiful cities in the world, which is Florence, and they accepted Joe and my son. My son is also in Italy. You know, with open arms. Um, now, no more selfies going forward, guys, okay? We're not allowed to take selfies anymore. So you guys are going to leave me alone now when I come back. Uh, but <laughs> We certainly understand that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On on the topic of, of something that's near and dear to my heart, you know, from a love standpoint, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the women's soccer team, you know, so I, I know in Italy, they, they may not be as embracing of the women's soccer as maybe we are here uh, in the United States, other areas in, in, in and throughout Europe. For those fans that aren't accustomed to watching the women's team play, can you tell us what they're missing out on and, and really why they should start paying attention to these amazingly talented women playing under an amazing coach, Antonio Cincotta? Well, thank you, because that was one of the first uh, objectives that I announced when I joined, uh, you know, as the owner of Fiorentina. Uh, and uh, I proved it by, you know, building uh, the first, uh, trying to build the first training center where the women, you know, going to have their separate building, believe it or not. You know, we got uh, among the buildings that we're putting together, one is just for the women, one is for the first team, one is for the junior teams, you know, in addition to other buildings, right? like like our headquarter building, like our kitchen area and so on. So, so the, team, the women will have their own field. So I'm doing my part to make sure that the women uh, 
our women team, um, you know, has all the opportunities to excel uh, within Italy, within the Italian Women's League, you know, and then more. Uh, but that may take time because unfortunately, it's not that we get, we don't get 40,000 people to come and watch those games, right? We yep. get less than a thousand right now. So everything has its time. And, and, but I think the women's team realize they have a huge supporter. I think Antonio Cincotta has done an absolutely phenomenal job absolutely. Uh, with the team. And, um, and we want to make it even better. You know, we lost to Arsenal last year in a European Champions League game, you know, for nothing. I was depressing when I saw that. Right? So we want to make our team even better going forward so that we'll be not just one of the best teams in Italy, but one of the better teams, you know, in Europe. All right? That, that, that's a goal uh, that we want to set for the women's team. And I think we'll accomplish it because we're going to have a phenomenal, an absolutely phenomenal training center once, once we get to finish that within a year and a half. One of the things that I know has been going on here, um, both in, in Italy as well as in the United States, has been this uh, GoFundMe that you created, the Forza Accorde, uh, benefiting all the local hospitals, the frontline workers in Florence. Uh, it, it certainly far exceeded the initial goal of 500,000 euros. I think the last that I checked yesterday was about 874,000 euros. Um, were you expecting this massive response uh, from the Florentines and Fiorentina fans, you know, domestic and, and, and globally? And what does that say about the city and fans to you? No, I, I did not expect to be able to raise. Uh, first of all, you know, I put in 250, my family, right? And then within three days, we got to 500, right? So it was an immediate, fast uh, response, um, you know, in reaching that 500,000 goal. And then later on, it slowed down a little bit, but we still, like you said, raised over 870, which uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Mike, um, Tito or Mike, I'm sorry. Um, uh, it has become the largest fundraiser in America for the, to benefit, you know, anyone in Italy. Hmm. Uh, so there's been various fundraisers originated here in the U.S., but this is by far the largest money uh, that's been raised. And uh, I'd like to add also that, you know, I was in partnership, uh, you know, for a partnership between the people of Florence and any Fiorentina fan and the people in America with whom we have all kinds of relationships with, you know, from, from the media comp side, my employees, my executives, you know, all the programming companies that we do business with, you know, made their, their, my friends, their share contribution. So I'm very, very proud of that. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's coming to an end. You know, we hope to be able to do, you know, some more stuff, uh, you know, in the next month or two. Um, but thank you, fans, and thank you, everyone that uh, has contributed to this effort. And, and we'll certainly plug uh, the, the uh, Forza Accorde, the GoFundMe page again here on our site. Uh, I'll also just mention selfishly, uh, you know, my daughter who, who you met up in, in the Bronx uh, last uh, August, I guess it was, did uh, decide to take her allowance and contribute to it um, 
about a month ago. So uh, it was a nice moment. Oh, that's me. wonderful. You say hello to her. What a sweet girl you got there, Mike. Uh, uh, thank you. Right. Proud father. You certainly am, no doubt. And then, uh, Rocco, what are your thoughts on Serie A moving forward to finish this season and go into next? I mean, obviously, a lot of it is still very up in the air. Where do you think that that's going and where do you think it should go? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I've said it already. Uh, number one, let's put health as the number one priority. Number two, um, then let's play if we take care of number one. And number three, even if we do one and two, if we take care of one and two, let's not destroy next year, all right? Because this year's already destroyed. So, so, and I'm at the same point that I was a month ago, two months ago. We want to play. We want to start playing. Uh, my understanding is that the team, um, on an individual basis, will be allowed to go uh, to the training center beginning this Friday or Saturday. And then on the 18th, uh, the teams are supposed to start practicing as a group. And then sometime in late uh, June to play our first game. Um, but there's a lot of question marks between now and then um, um, and uh, as to whether it's going to happen because it's not under our total control. Um, we really don't know for sure whether what we're projecting to do today will really happen a month, month and a half down the road. Uh, yeah. It's the same thing here in the U.S., right? I mean, everybody wants to start playing this baseball season that hasn't started, you know, but nobody really knows how it's going to happen. They're gonna, are they all going to play their games in Arizona, which is some of the things that I've heard? Are they going to play games in their towns? I don't know. So, so, but what's very, very important, though, is that we don't destroy the following season in whatever decisions are made. I hope the government gives us, you know, some um, a clear path as to what they want to do. We still don't know for sure, you know, whether they're going to give us the final okay to go forward with this. So it's all uh, tempting, uh, you know. Uh, I really don't know uh, That's for sure what what may happen. Fair. So let's move on to something you're probably a little bit more certain on. And this has been another one of my favorite uh, storylines from this season for Fiorentina which has been your decision to add Joe Barone to Daniela Prade in the front office. And they, I think they're the only two man split responsibilities team like that, that I've ever seen in Italy. What prompted you to make that change and really step out and do something different and new? Well, I, I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. It's only two people. Um, but, let me just say that Daniela Perez's primary job is the sporting side, right? Uh, whereas Joe Barone's job is everything. Joe Barone gets involved, you know, with the stadium, Stu Stadium, the Centro Sportivo, um, you know, all the administrative stuff. Uh, now, we have other people, naturally, of Fiorentina that report to either Daniele or Joe, uh, but, but Joe comes from the U.S., as you know. Right, and and Joe's been there every day. I think he came back once uh, to the U.S. for a couple of days, but you know, ever since he's been in Italy, including during this period. So I don't know 
exactly how the other teams are uh, managed. I just know that uh, the, the way we're managed, but naturally, I'm a little bit involved too. Not a lot involved, but I'm a little <laughs> bit involved. <laughs> we like it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh... no, it's working. It's wor It's working fine. Look, you could always. Uh, I, I always uh, because the question was asked also the other day about Yakini, right? I mean, I I, I tend to. Uh, I, I don't like to see churn. Uh, I like to provide an environment where people could excel, and uh, the way I've done it my whole life here at MediaCom, the last 25 years, and uh, you know, and to the extent that the people are performing, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that like to make changes. You know, I remember the guy, what was it, at, at Palermo, right, where the guy used to have three coaches, oh, three, four coaches God, every Zamperini, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not Rocco. Okay, that is not me. Okay, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, so before you know, I maybe I make I make decisions instinctively uh, a lot. Maybe I need to learn more, you know. But I I like to uh, people who I know um, and and give them the benefit of the doubt uh, until they screw up big time. Until you know, I have to make a change for sure. And that's also true with the players. Okay, we'll get into the players later on uh, if you want to ask the question. But on the managerial side, you know, we're, we're okay. All right. Uh, naturally, uh, we did not have, you know, when we bought Fiorentina, other than, you know, the board of directors from the old ownership, installed by the old ownership, we really did not make any changes uh, or major changes. We basically inherited every, everyone that was already working for Fiorentina, you know, with the exception of three, four, five people, and and uh, and I've been living with them, and and I'm very happy with that, right? In the sense that it wasn't me that destroyed people's lives, uh, you know, and laying them off or firing them because a, a new manager came on board. So yeah. that, that's the way we operate, guys. And speaking of uh, the way that you operate, this upcoming transfer window, the player market, we've heard that the, uh, any investments made this summer won't count towards financial fair play, which opens up a lot of options. Uh, we're not asking you to spill any secrets or anything. But uh, what do you think fans should expect from this Mercado? Is it just going to be a big confusion where no one knows how much to spend on anything? Is this really the time to focus on getting a stadium built more than getting new players? What do you think? Yeah, well, the stadium built is, is a longer-term process. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's political considerations here, right, as to what they let me do or not do, Okay. Uh, with respect to the financial fair play rules, uh, uh, I think the season, you know, may be not considered within the rules, right? The season ending uh, 1920, but I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I not heard about the next year, right, as not having an impact, right? So it's 1920, you know, that may be, the performance, you know, financial performance in 1929 would not be considered a financial fair play rule. This is my, my understanding, but I could be wrong on that, all right? Maybe, you know, something that I don't know. Uh, but 
with respect to the players, Mark, look, uh, everything has changed. Um, uh, if uh, we have a you know television contract that needs to get dealt with, right? Uh, we have uh, the revaluation that's taking place as we speak. I uh, you know of of each player uh, uh, because you know if everyone's losing revenues, Mike. That doesn't mean that you can still go out and buy the players at the same price or give them the same kind of annual salaries, right? Given the fact that the players are huge, huge component of your cost base, right? Um, the problem that I've seen in the last three months is that the revenues are variable, but the costs are not. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? necessarily in a in a real business so if a restaurant closes uh they don't keep on buying inventory to prepare the food they stop the inventory right some of the yeah. restaurants you know they got rid of their employees well you know our core structure is pretty much the same here Fiorentina, whether we generate revenues or not and and something's got to give and that's true also for the other clubs maybe we could survive it because of the strength of mediacom right and and what's behind Mediacom, what's behind Fiorentina, I should say, just me and Fiorentina, but not every club got the luxury of saying, you know, I could lose 10, 20, 50 million dollars a year revenues and still be able to field the team the next year. So this, this huge issues uh, that need to be addressed and then hopefully overcome, you know, because I don't know how much help we're going to get from the government, direct, direct help. I don't know if the government's going to come in and say, yeah, we'll give you, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to, to, to take care of Syria. I don't think that's going to happen that easily, right? Right. Uh, so, so we, uh, you know, we have to deal with our own, with our own hands, you know, the future of, of soccer. And since uh, we're dealing with uncertain times, I can't give you a certain future as to what may happen. My feeling is, you know, that whatever look there's been a huge devaluation in the of my player pool right if my players if transfer market uh was saying that my players are worth three were worth 300 million you know three months ago today and they're not worth 300 million and that's true also for everybody else so so i think everybody's looking at their balance sheet you know as their ink you know on their income statements and the player pool and what may happen to the revenues and what might happen when we're going to have a games where the stadiums get filled up. Nobody is certain as to when that's going to happen. So we're all, we have to wait and determine, you know, what we may do uh, going forward. From Fiorentina perspective, you know, we may lose a player uh, like Chiesa. I don't know if he still wants to leave uh, and whether we're going to get the right price for him. Uh, you know, but we uh, we may also bring some other people on board to the extent you know that we lose one or two, um, you know, from our from our existing uh, team roster. Uh, yeah, so it's too early to tell right now. I guess the the message is too early to tell right now. What the hell is going to happen here in the next two or three months? Yeah, and some of those coming in from January, you've already. Uh plan for those people to come in and, and I'm sure that they're uh, ready to, to come and perform for you guys eagerly. 
Uh, so, you know, keeping, yeah. keeping on the Mercado situation, you know, Rocco, last time that we talked, it was, it was you who taught me the whole concept of uh, the Bendietta. I don't know if you remember uh, when you were actually teaching me what it meant and, and, and walking, walking around and telling me the stories uh, of what it meant to you. Uh, I, I right. think it's a unique situation. Flash forward, you know, six, eight months, whatever it's been, we have quite a few good to great players that are linked directly to other very large clubs. But you have Chiesa, Castrovilli, Milenkovic, Dragowski, who really could become a bandietta for you for many, many years, carry the, the viola colors way into the future. Uh, so what are the thoughts there with, with now even having multiple young, very good to great players that could eventually become uh, a bandietta? And I'll even include uh, Dusan Vlahovic, who has said he wants to stay with the club for many, many years. Right. That, that's a great comment, uh, uh, Mike. That's, I think that's something that's changed, right? Um, so, you know, from, from the way Fiorentina has been viewed, not just by externally, but also by our players. So what I've said constantly, you know, Fiorentina, if it's up to Rocco, it's a place to come and not a place to leave. It's not a place to show your skills and then go to a bigger team. It's a place where you come from a different team and you want to stay there. And, and that's the definition of a bandiera, right? If we could develop those type of players, I'd be the happiest man in the world. We had you know, a player like Antonioni that 30 years ago was such a person. Um, we had uh, on the other teams like Juventus, you know, the Chiellini of this world, the Bonucci of this world, uh, you know, those, those are the type of players that, have, you know, that appeal to me, you know, that they come there to make a career as opposed to coming to a team as a passage to a, a better future someplace else. You know, I'm really not the person that gets turned down by um, some of those uh, things that do happen, unfortunately, you know, all over the soccer world. But as you mentioned, you know, we have in Russia until last year, look at the development of our, with our goalie, right? Look at the development of our, our Dragoski, right? In my opinion, is one of the top goalkeepers now in Serie A. You know, sure. look at Milankovic that you mentioned. Look at Lidola that was brought in last year. Look at Vlaovic, look at Chiesa, look at Kastrovili. Um, where, you know, Kume, you know, hopefully once, he gets over his injury, it could be a phenomenal, you know, addition to us. Look at Sotil. I mean, poor kid hasn't played a lot, you know, but hopefully we'll have more opportunities, you know, as we restart the season for him to show his skills, who's got phenomenal skills. And uh, and I can mention, you know, I can mention another five or six. I hope nobody gets offended if I don't mention every player. <laughs> but we have, you know, we have the nucleus of, a young team, you know, with uh, kids. I should call them kids because in relation to the seven-year-old men, they're all kids, right? They could be <laughs> my grandkids. Uh, uh, I, you know, in relation to these kids, they're blooming to become potential superstar. Blaovic and the statements that they're making, too, to the press, right? They're, they're hitting all the right notes when it comes to my heart. You know, we want to stay. Comiso's made a difference. We want to stay here, Fiorentina. And for the fan base all over the world, that, that's 
probably the biggest change that we have made, where we have all kinds of players coming out on their own, right? Volunteering to say, you know, I love to say, and I want to become, I want to become a bandiero of the club of Fiorentina, which makes me very happy. That that's great. Uh, we love hearing all of that information. So, you know, Rocco, to be honest, I, I think that that uh, takes care of our time. Uh, I just wanted to ask if there was anything else that you wanted to uh, leave as a message for our fans, your fans, before we uh, signed off here. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I said it already. Thank you for, for accepting me, for, you know, making my uh, entry into Florence. Yeah, it's easy it has been. Unfortunately, we got dealt with this terrible situation that nobody expected, but it's affecting all of us, including me. Um, so I'm I'm dying to get back to Firenze. I'm dying to visit, you know, the city, uh, to visit my son, to visit Joe Barone, to visit the team, to hug everyone to the extent that I'm permitted to hug them, you know, and uh, and then kiss them too. All right. The women, the men, the young, the older young teams, uh, you know, I didn't mention, but I think people know that I've, I've gone to quite a few women's games and quite a few Primavera games. Absolutely. And that's been great uh, and, to see. And, 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 and people are saying they never saw President do all those things, right? So I'm, uh, I love to watch all of them. They're all mine in the sense that they belong to me, right? Not just because I'm the president that I own the team, but they're people that I love. And, and um, so keep on supporting the team, Viola Nation. Uh, we call them the Viola family. And I'm doing my best to, to try to take care of the club. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Tito. Thanks, Rocco. Thank you, Rocco. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. So I wanted to thank you, not just from Tito and I, but from the whole Viola Nation, all your global fans. Uh, to all our fans out there, this is Mike and Tito from Viola Nation, closing out what has to be the greatest podcast moment ever with the Rocco Camiso. We will now go take a deep breath, have a nice glass of red wine, and soak it all in. Take care. Viola Station is hosted by Viola Nation writers Mike and Tito. Tito also produced this episode. We cannot thank Rocco Camiso enough for talking with us. We'd also like to thank Alessandra Ferrari, Tom Larson, and Jen Weeks for all their help on this episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can visit us at violanation.com. Windchime Weather did our theme music. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network, Ports of Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.